The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're still talking about heart physics and how you can change your life by changing your thoughts. Change your life by changing what you put in your heart. Amen? I said amen. So let's go now to Ephesians chapter number 6. We're going to read from verse 10 to 11. Ephesians chapter number 6 from verse 10 to 11. This is the Apostle Paul writing and giving final minute instructions uh, to the church at Ephesus. And he says, finally, my brethren, be strong. Be that. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he shows them how they can become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, he said, put on the whole armor of God. Notice, he says for you to put it on. God provides the armor, but you get to put it on. Amen? Yeah. You have to wear the armor. And not, on, not only do you have to wear the armor, you have to wear the whole armor of God. Did you see it? Yep. It says put on the whole, because the tendency is just to wear the helmet of salvation. <laughs> you know, and you're running around battles, you know, with your helmet of salvation and a mini brief. <laughs> you're not going to win. You're not going to win that battle. Amen. You need to put on the whole armor of God. And he tells you why. He says, put on the whole armor of God so that, I like to put an SO between God and and that, just so it can pop out. You you don't have to do that, but I like to do it. He says, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word, uh, wiles, uh, in the Greek is uh, a word that represents tactics. Someone say tactics. Tactics. Strategies. Someone say strategies. Scheme, someone say schemes, and devices, someone say devices. So Satan does not have any physical power. He does not have any spiritual authority, but what he uses to uh, uh, trip up God's children is what are called uh, 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 deceptions. He uses deceptions to uh, trip up God's children. And here the Apostle Paul is saying we should put on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to stand against his deceptions. Satan does not have any spiritual authority in the earth realm. Let's go to Colossians chapter number 2 verse 15. So I can prove it to you. He does not have any spiritual authority over you. All he can do is try to deceive you. And what you do with the deception will determine whether he wins or he doesn't. Amen? I said amen. Amen. This is talking about Jesus. He says Jesus having disarmed 
principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. So he's talking about the victory that Jesus won on the cross. He said not only did he disarm uh, the principalities and the powers, he also made a public spectacle of them. Now, this is a Roman tradition uh, that the Apostle Paul is borrowing from. What they would do back in the days that after they defeat a nation, they would bring the king from that nation, cut off his thumb in front of all their citizens. Why? Because the thumb represented authority to make decrees. So what they would do is they would bring them before the people, cut off his thumb, and strip him of his royal robes. So that he can walk naked. And people would be throwing eggs at him and mocking him and so on and so forth. What essentially they are telling their citizens is that nation is no longer a threat to us. And essentially this is what Jesus did on the cross. He told the church, Satan is no longer a threat to you. Why? Because he has been stripped of his authority. He can no longer put a curse on you. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people were not at the parade because a lot of people are still chasing around Satan. I call it shadow boxing because he's not a real enemy. He has been defeated. He is a defeated foe. The only power that he has is the power to deceive using wiles, trickeries, and deceptions. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 3 verse 1. Genesis chapter number 3, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, or cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, so the understood subject here in the context is that Satan went and possessed the serpent. So it's Satan speaking through the serpent. Why did he possess the serpent? Have you ever thought about it? How come he, just, he didn't possess a lion? You know, and go to Eve and say, ah, eat this fruit. I mean, Eve would have eaten, right? But he didn't have, just like with you and me, he does not have any physical authority to make you do something. Yeah. The only authority he has is to deceive, and then you get to do it. Yes. Amen. That's why he possessed the serpent, and not used physical authority. You could have possessed an elephant, put it put on Eve's head, yeah, eat this fruit. But he doesn't have any right to move people physically. Even the demon, the demon-possessed man, what's his name? Legion. 10,000 demons in him. He still had a free will and a choice to run and kneel at the feet of Jesus because Satan wouldn't make him do all kinds of stuff that he didn't want to do or did not cooperate in doing. So what Satan does is he tempts you and then you get to do it. So here the Bible says, uh, this thing was subtle more than any beast in the field. And he said, someone say he said, this is how his tricks come. They come as saying, Better known as thoughts, Mm -hmm. ideas, and suggestions. He said, did God say you shall not eat of uh, every tree of the garden? Look at how he starts. He says, man, God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of all the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. God didn't say that. God just said, don't eat it. But the woman added 
all that extra stuff, which showed the devil that he, she didn't even know what she was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I know God didn't say that. They don't know what they're talking about. He says in verse 3, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch, lest you die. Verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. He's going contrary to what God said. Going against God's word. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened. And you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Other versions of the Bible say you shall be just like him. But they were already just like God. The only thing Satan can tempt you with is something God has already made you. But he brings a counterfeit. In a thought, idea, or suggestion. And watch what happened in verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and therefore did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And we call this story the fall of man. And Satan did not change his tricks. He tried to do the same thing with Jesus. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 4 from verse 2 to 11. Matthew chapter number 4 verse 2 to 11. Now if he did it with Eve, if he did it with Adam, and he tried to do it with Jesus, I can guarantee you, he's going to try to do it with you. That's why we can't be ignorant of Satan's devices. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, He was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, Notice the tempter always comes with something to say, Mm -hmm. with a thought, with an idea, with a suggestion. And here's what's interesting about these thoughts. They don't come dressed in a red suit and a pitchfork. (laughs) Man, it comes as a good idea. Amen? He says, If you be the Son of God, Command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written. Someone say, it is written. This should be your answer all the time. Every thought that you get should be checked against what's written. What is written? God's word. No matter how cute the thought is. Or the dude is. (laughs) If he's trying to do something that contradicts God's word, it is written. Thou shalt not touch a woman you haven't paid Lobola for. Hallelujah. <laughs> says it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man, our sustenance is God's word. He says in verse 5, then the devil, man, you would think the devil would leave him alone. He took him to another place and seated him at the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If you are the Son of God, cast thyself, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time, he's misquoting Psalm 91 verse 11, he says, he did not say at any time. He says, in all thy ways. So he will only send the angels to keep you up when you are in his will. When you're outside of his will, <laughs> you is on your own. Amen? So he's misquoting. He says, at any time, you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, 
it is written. He doesn't change the game plan. He doesn't change the modus operandi. And I don't think you should change too. You should look for what's written and counter every thought that contradicts what is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, man, this dude keeps coming. He doesn't give up. He said in verse 9, verse 8, no, what verse amount? 10. And he said to him, get, uh, what verse amount? Eight? Eight. Eight. Okay. And again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said to him, all these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Again, this connects to faithfulness. Remember, you cannot serve God and mammon. This is the same verse. Jesus had an option. He's confronted with an opportunity to either listen to God or to listen to Mammon. Because he said to him, he took him to a position where you could see the whole earth and the glory thereof. Glory speaks of substance. It speaks of the weightiness. So he took him to a place where you could see all the beautiful buildings. It's called the Burj Khalif. The... the, the Man, he's looking at that and showing him all the gold. And he said, all you have to do is bow down and worship me. All you have to do is listen to mammon. All you have to do is to bow down and listen to the voice of money. And watch what Jesus said. Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil leaveth him and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. This thought came to Jesus as a thought. I don't believe the devil, the, you know, the devil came and stood there and said, you know, Jesus, let me show you this. No, I believe Jesus was just minding his own business and th- these thoughts would get into his head. Now, what do you do when a thought like that comes into your head? You go to God's word Amen. and you check this thought against God's word. Why? Because every thought that you receive has a life and a death component to it. Every thought that you receive carries life or death. And every thought must be investigated before it releases its life or its death. Well, that sounds like work, Pastor T. Yes, it is work. But it's much less work than cleaning up the mess after the thought has germinated and has brought forth fruit after its kind. Now you have this other girl pregnant and you have a wife back at home with two kids. How are you going to explain that? You know, I was just coming from the shops and then I came and then... You know what you could have done? You could have investigated that thought. This thought that says this woman is cute. Is it in line with God's word and my covenant of marriage? Man, if you had taken time to investigate that thought, you would not have found yourself in that place where you now have to clean up all this mess. Man, this thought never comes to you and says, you know, I want you to murder this person. No, it just comes to you and it says, man, they're treating you badly. They're treating you badly. Oh, man, in fact, they're sending uh, flirty messages to your wife. You need to take care of this. You need need to take care of this. 
And then you get up, man, you get up, it starts working on you, it starts working, it starts editing those thoughts. Man, you are not processing any thoughts and it ends up something that you didn't intend. Why? Because every thought must be investigated. Every thought carries life or death. And when you get in the business of investigating every thought, man, you will save yourself from a whole lot of drama. Hallelujah. And remember, I said this to you when we're dealing with the uh, series on uh, worry and uh, the worry-free life. I said the lifeline or the lifeblood of a thought is the attention you give it. How do you kill these thoughts? That are based on death. You just ignore them. Just ignore it. And it's going to die a natural death. But when you give it attention, you empower it. You make it strong. And it will begin to produce after its kind. Let us go now to John 13 verse 2. Satan does not change his modus operandi. John 13 verse 2. I want to read it in the New Living Translation, please. New Living Translation. This is talking about uh, Judas Iscariot. Anybody ever heard of Judas Iscariot? What is he famous for? Let me show you how it started. It was time for supper. He was busy enjoying his chicken. Man, I almost have every, I have a chicken in every sermon. I need to change. He was busy enjoying his steak. I mean, this dude is busy having supper and minding his own business. This is why I'm trying to tell you. This thing about managing your thought life and protecting and guarding your heart with all diligence is a full-time job. You don't take time out of it. Because he's coming at you. He says he was busy having supper. It was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Iscariot, to betray uh, Jesus. I want to read it in the New uh, international version, please. New international version. Now, give it to me in, uh, I think I read it in the Good News Bible, but give it to me in the New King James Bible. I think it will show you exactly what I'm talking about. In the Good News Bible, it says, Jesus and his disciples were at supper. The devil had already put it in the heart. Oh, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. After supper being ended, the devil having already put it in where? He put it as a thought. He had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So the action of betrayal only uh, uh, followed the heart. What was planted in the heart. If you read it in the Good News Bible, it says the devil had already put it in the heart. The son of Simon Judas Iscariot, the thought of betraying Jesus. He already put it in the heart. It's the same thing. Man, when Satan comes to you, he comes and puts thoughts in your heart. And when you don't get in the business of looking at these thoughts and casting them down. In fact, let me show you this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 from verse 4 and 5. The root of every action is a thought. Say that after me. The root of every action is a thought. And it starts in the mind. You can't allow your mind to roam freely. You can't allow the enemy to plant seeds of destruction in your mind. 
Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter number 10. I'm going to read from verse 4 to 5. It says in Second Corinthians 10 verse 4 to 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not physical. I'm reading in the Amplified now. In fact, let me read in the King James, then I'll read in the Amplified. They're not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Next verse. Casting down arguments. Someone say arguments. arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. Someone say knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge of God bringing every thought. Someone say thought. Knowledge. Into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now watch what it says in the Amplified. Please give it to me in the Amplified. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. But they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destructions of strongholds. See, if you read it in the King James Bible, it says for the pulling down of strongholds. You remember pulling down? Man, I remember we'd go to prayer meetings. I grew up in a very religious place. Okay, forgive me. We'd go into prayer meetings and then we'd pull down strongholds. And the person who's leading prayer would even say to you, pull them down. You know, we're pulling them down. Strongholds of poverty, we're pulling them down. We're pulling them down. And then God stopped me midway uh, in one prayer meeting and he said, where are you pulling them down? I said, I'm pulling them here. He said, are you sure you want them where you are? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and the Lord said, read that again. If you read it in the Amplified, it says to the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Now, strongholds are systems of thought. Remember, we dealt with philosophies. Strongholds are built one brick at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And these strongholds must be destroyed. Strongholds of uh, poverty are built one brick at a time. Man, the enemy will be conditioning you to think that stuff is running out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, I always, I always talk to my friends when we go out to eat and so on and so forth, and they get a, a, a cool drink, a Coke, a Fanta, or whatever it is, and then it's time for us to go. And they haven't finished their cool drink, and it's almost uh, three quarters. Man, they just, okay, it's time to go. They just, and I, you don't have to finish it. You don't have to finish it. If it's time to go, you could leave the cool drink. But they're thinking, man, I don't know what will happen where I'm going. I may as well fill up now. And that thing is a stronghold. It's been built brick upon. Some of you do it in here. You're like, Pastor, that's me. And I'm like, man, you don't have to finish it. There is more. Someone say there is more, man. Man, and that thing, I had to confront that thing head on. Strongholds of, 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 of poverty will make you feel guilty about nice things. I remember when my parents would buy me new shoes, I would have to go and put sand on them so I can look like the rest of them. They were building one brick at a time to condition me to think the cool thing to be is just poor. Just like everybody else. Embarrassed about when God blesses you. It's a stronghold. And he says, the weapons that God has given you has, have the power to destroy every stronghold. Now watch what he says in the next verse. <clears throat> in as much as we refute arguments and theories, where do this happen? Arguments and theories. 
in your mind and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. So the way Satan tempts you is he brings something that is a counterfeit that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. That's the way he tempts you. (laughs) And sometimes it looks almost identical. But he has put a little bit of poison in it. That's why you must investigate it. Hallelujah. It says every proud and lofty thing that sets itself against the true knowledge of God and will lead every thought. Someone say every thought. thought. Not you didn't say the bad thoughts only. You didn't say the good thoughts only. He said we lead every thought and purpose away captive. Someone say captive. What does captivity remind you of? Slavery? What else? Limitation? Bondages? No freedom. You know, I remember watching this show on TV, and it's called uh, Police Dash Cam. And the police would pull up and park behind a criminal or so-called criminal. And then they want to go and investigate what's going on in their car. And then when they get to their car and they're still doing all their stuff, and they realize, oh man, this dude has some stuff in the boot, the guy would just take off. <laughs> he would just take off. I'm telling you. Man, I'm watching this thing and this guy just took off. Just, he's gone. You know why you could take off? Because what the police officer should have done was to put the cat in handcuffs first, make sure that he's not roaming freely. And then when you do, you are going to avoid all of the drama of having to have another police chase. Similarly, (laughs) when every thought comes into your mind, it must be taken captive. So that you can avoid the drama of coming to the pastor. And now we have to counsel you. Now we have to deal with the issues that you could have arrested the minute that thought got there. And I'm telling you, you catch that criminal, you put the handcuffs on them, some fit ones too, that dude is not going away. And if he's a good guy, we will release him after we find out he's a good guy. It's the same thing. When it's a good thought, then we will release it. But every thought must be kept, taken captive. Every Man, this is a full-time job. Yeah. I always tell people, the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life is not casting out demons. It is not casting out devils. It is managing your thought life. Yeah. It's a full-time job. You know why? Because Satan is consistently throwing thoughts in your mind. Some of them are contrary. In fact, all of them are contrary to God's word. But God also, through his word, is consistently giving you thoughts. And those thoughts you must take captive and plant them in your heart. And when you do, they will begin to bring forth fruit after its kind. Amen? See, his purpose, take away captive into the obedience of Christ. Every thought must be brought into the obedience of Christ. Watch what he says in Psalm. Man, I'm running out of time. Is this helping you? Psalm 19 verse 7. Everything starts as a thought. As a man thinks in his heart, heart so easy. Yep. As a man thinks in his heart, so easy. 
Watch what it says. It says in Psalm 19 verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord is the word of God. The word of God is perfect. Restoring the whole person, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Making the wise simple. Can I have it in the New Living Translation? NLT, please. New Living Translation. It says the instructions of the Lord are what? Perfect. Reviving the soul. soul. The word of God revives your soul. Now, what's conspicuous in its absence, or what he did not say, or what's contrary to what he just says, is anything that is the instruction of Satan actually destroys the soul. While the word of God revives your soul, the instructions or the whispers of Satan destroy the soul or the mind. He says the decrees of the Lord which is God's word. The decrees of the Lord are what? Trustworthy. Making what? Wise the simple. And that word simple is the simpleton. You know, the retarded. He's saying God's word is so trustworthy, it will make the retarded, the retards, wise. Listen, when you start submitting yourself to God's word, when you start taking God's word into your heart, when you start capturing God's word, it will make you look wise. Man, God's word will take an educated fisherman and they will start speaking so fluently under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that all men will take notice that these men are unlearned. How come they speak with such eloquence and fluency and boldness? It is because they have submitted themselves to God's word. Why? Because God's word makes wise the simple. Let's close now in James chapter number 1 verse 21. James 1 verse 21. Man, the word of God will make you look good. All you have to do is to go into God's word and find solutions. It will make you look good. It will make you look awesome. Just follow his word. James, chapter number 1, verse 21, New King James Bible, or King James Bible. Please. James 1, <clears throat> verse 21. Watch what it says. It says, Therefore, I say, lay aside all filthiness and overflow and, and overflow of wickedness. And receive with... I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. He says receive with meekness. Now, the way to receive God's word is simple. It's meekness. It's not clever. It's not, you know, try to be deep. It's, It's just meekness. What is meekness? Meekness just simply means a teachable spirit. Man, every time I go into God's word, I go with a teachable spirit. Because I've realized the word of God is pregnant. It is loaded with facets of revelation upon revelation. You could be reading the same verse and the Holy Spirit will just bring another revelation that you never saw before. Why? Because His Word is alive. It's not ink and paper. It's alive. And the way to tap into that grace, into that revelation, is by receiving it with meekness. But you have to receive it. You have to receive it. Because your heart is the garden. It is the ground where the seed of the word of God is planted. And when you receive it, you will be able to check every thought against the word that you have received in your heart. 
you have to become so acquainted with God's word. When you become so acquainted with God's word, it's like in the natural, uh, you know, fake notes. People come up with all kinds of fake notes, 100 US dollars, 20 US dollars. The way you dictate what a fake note is, is not by studying fakes. Because they're always coming up with new fakes. The way you determine what a good note is, is by studying the original. And you come up with a machine that knows the original. God wants you to be a machine that knows the original. He wants you to be a machine that knows the true. So quit spending your time studying Illuminati. You know, 666 Illuminati, who's this, who's that, and the fake. and the... No, spend your time turning your heart into a, an original God's word knowledge dictator. That when you put every knot under that dictator, that is not original and in line with God's beep, 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 there is an alert and you cast it down. But you have to be acquainted with his word. That's why the Bible says, be wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning that, is, that which is evil. You should know more about how and why God wants you healed more than the ailment you're going through. See, a lot of people know more about the ailment than the God who's trying to get them healed. And a lot of people know more about why they should not succeed. It's the color of my skin. It's it's, it's, it's my agenda. It's where I come from and so on and so on. They know more about why they should not succeed instead of knowing more about why they should succeed based on God's word. Man, you need to turn your heart into a truth dictator so that when the lies come, there is a beep in your spirit. And you can cast it down. Watch what it says. Receive with meekness the implanted word. That word is implanted with life. It is implanted with prosperity. It is implanted with healing. It is implanted with everything that you you need that pertains to life and godliness. It is in God's word. That's why when God wanted to heal the children of Israel, the Bible said he sent his word and it healed them. When God wants to prosper you, you send a word and prosper you. When God wants to change your life, you send a word and change your life. Amen? It says, receive that word with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. The word of God has the potential to save your soul. That word which is able implies that it has the potential to save your soul. It has the potential to change the way you think. It has a a potential to begin to create new pathways of thinking. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 119, uh, verse 130, the entrance of his word brings light. There's literally lights going on. In your mind, sparks of energy, electro, uh, uh, electrons and, and so on and so forth that are released as you are receiving God's word. That creates new pathways that you didn't have, breaking old cycles. And going into a, 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 a realm of new possibilities. And all of that happens when you begin to receive God's word. You have to receive it into your heart with meekness, with a teachable spirit. There are so many cycles that have been created over the years, better known as strongholds, but God's word has the power to break them. There are so many cycles created over the years that have been working to your disadvantage. God's word can break them immediately, in a moment. You can start thinking differently. You've been programmed to think this is your ailment. It's incurable, and you're going to die with it. God's word has the power to change the way you look at that situation. 
but you have to receive it with a teachable spirit. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for our hearts are ready to receive your word. Lord, this morning, we thank you that our hearts are ready to receive your word of prosperity, your word of faith, your word of healing, your word of victory, your word of grace, your word of truth, which has the ability to radically change all of our lives. Father, right now, we uproot every seed of Satan. We uproot, pluck out, and destroy every seed that is contrary to your word. Some of these seeds have been uh, uh, in our hearts for so long, they've become gigantic uh, trees. By the power of the Holy Ghost, we uproot them in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we declare every heart under the sound of my voice, new ground, ready to receive the good seed of your incorruptible word which is able to save our souls. Father, we thank you that as we grow in your word, our spirits are alert. Our hearts, our minds will be alert to dictate anything, just like our Lord and Savior Jesus will be able to dictate any thought that is contrary to your word. Even the thoughts that may seem right, when they are contrary to your word, Father, we thank you that will stand on your word. Lord, we thank you that this morning as we leave, our hearts are let, our minds are ready. We will not allow Satan to plant thoughts of destruction. Thank you, Jesus. Thoughts that will produce death, thoughts that will produce evil, we will not allow Satan to plant any of those thoughts in our hearts. But Father, we'll receive the thoughts of your word. I feel the need to pray for this. We break every thought of poverty, every cycle of poverty, every thought of scarcity, every cycle of scarcity, every thought of fear and poverty, particularly in the um, materials realm, that makes you want to hate your own brother. That makes you fearful of your neighbor. That makes you fearful of a person from a different race. We break that spirit in Jesus' name. We are children of God. And all that belongs to our Heavenly Father belongs to us. Therefore, we are not poor. We are rich in Christ. And we do not look at others with envy and desire what they have. But we stand in the truth of what Jesus has given us by the finished work of the cross. We bind every spirit of hatred. We bind every spirit of fear. In the name of Jesus, we release the peace of God in the mighty, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have prayed. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.
Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Praise God. Praise God. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.